Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio. My name is Sean. I'm your host, as always. And happy Friday. Hope everybody had a great week. I know I did. Um, had a really good week here on the Anchor Station. Definitely seem to be gaining a lot of traction. So thank you to everybody who's been tuning in and listening and to everybody who's been subscribing to the podcast or favoriting the station. Thank you very much. But let's go ahead and wrap up this week's tech news with the tech download for Friday, August 25th, 2017. In case you're unaware, the annual Gamescom event is well underway and Microsoft is doing its best to drive home the message that the Xbox One X is the must-have console of the future. So they've unveiled quite a few different gameplay trailers showing the Xbox One X running games in native 4K and using things like HDR to really show off the power and beauty of how games can look on the Xbox One X. But it seems like the overwhelming opinion of Xbox at Gamescom this year is that they really haven't done a whole lot to show why people should really want to rush out and buy the Xbox One X especially for those folks that have already upgraded the Xbox One one time to go to the Xbox One S, and for people who have already upgraded the Xbox One and the PS4 going from the PS4 to the PS4 Pro. If you haven't already checked out some of the gameplay footage that's been released from different games running on the Xbox One X at Gamescom, you should definitely check it out. Some of these games look really incredible. Forza looks amazing. Uh, Gears of War 4 looked absolutely incredible. There is definitely some heavy-duty pixel pushing going on on underneath the hood on the Xbox One X. I just don't know if it's enough to make people want to run out and spend another $500 when a lot of people have already upgraded consoles once or twice even in this current gaming generation already. One of the areas that a lot of people have been anxiously waiting to hear Microsoft talk about in terms of the Xbox One X is its capabilities as a VR machine, and Microsoft still has not unveiled any new information about the Xbox One X's VR support. So I don't know. Um, to me, I think I'm just going to kind of take a wait and see approach here. Um, I already purchased an Xbox One S when those came available. I'm not really ready to upgrade again to another console. I could probably spend about the same amount of money upgrading my PC and getting a much better gaming experience out of that. So if any of you have been following the Gamescom event this week, let me know what you think of the Xbox One X and Microsoft's presentation. Numerous reports about the state of revenue and sales in the streaming TV market have been circulating around, stating that Apple is falling far behind its competitors with the Apple TV. It looks like Roku is dominating with a 32% to 37% market share of the streaming TV set-top box market. And that's probably good news for Roku and investors interested in the upcoming IPO that's said to launch sometime later this year. Really no other competitor in the streaming set-top box space is even close. It looks like Amazon is gaining some momentum, which is up from 16% to 24%. And Apple, by contrast, has fallen year over year from 19% to 15%. So that means now Apple TV is behind both Amazon and Roku, and that's pretty interesting considering there's rumors that Apple is getting ready to launch a 4K HDR capable version of Apple TV sometime this year possibly. So um, it'll be interesting to see if the upgraded version of the Apple TV does anything to increase Apple's share in the streaming TV boxes. But uh, I think that 
it's um, I, my gut is telling me that it doesn't have as much to do with the fact that the current Apple TV is not 4K capable. I just don't see that many people having already upgraded to 4K TVs that they're that they're not buying Apple TVs just because of that one reason. It definitely must be because of some other factors. And if you know anything about Amazon and the quote unquote fire sticking that's going around, then um, that could probably have something to do with it because uh, there's been evidence in the past that says when certain devices get hacked or get used for, let's just say gray area practices, um, they typically will end up seeing a spike in sales. So I'd be curious to know if any of the hacking going on with the Amazon Fire Stick has anything to do with their market share having increased pretty significantly. Any of you out there using a hacked Fire Stick? If so, let me know with a comment or call in uh, and let me know if that was the driving decision that made you buy a Fire Stick in the first place and if that's predominantly what you use it for. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, if you'd like to hear me do an episode talking about the Fire Stick hack and exactly what that is, let me know with some comments or call-ins and I'll do a segment on that later in the week or over the weekend. So let me know. Nikon has announced its new full-frame DSLR camera, the D850, and the D850 has 45.7 megapixels, as well as a ton of other features that seem to be aimed at trying to woo Canon shoppers and convince them to buy a Nikon instead. The D850 is definitely not an entry-level DSLR, coming in at $3,299 for just the body alone with no kit lenses, and it'll be going on sale in September. Some of the notable features of the Nikon D850 is that it's using a new sensor from Nikon that is backside illuminated, which is the first time Nikon has used this type of sensor in a full-frame camera. The switch in sensor technology was probably Nikon's effort to try and offset some of the problems that can come up with high megapixel count cameras and sensors, which usually limits the amount of light that the sensor can get, and this is probably going to help offset that just a little bit. One of the major features that the D850 has that Canon seems to still be avoiding in even its latest DSLR cameras is that it does shoot 4K UHD footage at 30 or 24 frames per second, as well as 1080p video up to 120 frames per second. Oddly enough though, the Nikon can only record uncompressed 422 8-bit UHD footage to an external recorder as opposed to even something as old as the GH4 from Panasonic which can actually record 422 10-bit um, when using an external recorder so that is kind of an interesting little spec there. The 153.99 cross-type autofocus system should be incredibly fast and can shoot 7 frames per second at the full 45.7 megapixel resolution. You can purchase the optional $399 battery grip that will bump that max speed up to 9 frames a second. All in all, it looks to be quite the little monster of a camera, and I'm sure a lot of pros and semi-pros, as well as amateur camera enthusiasts that have deep enough pockets, will probably be really interested to get their hands on. It'll be interesting to see how much this impacts Canon, who has already been losing quite a bit of market share to Sony over the past couple years. So let me know what you guys think. Are you looking to get a new camera? And if so, would you spend almost $3,300 on Nikon's new Monster D850? Let me know. Here's some shocking tech news for you guys. The demand for drones is skyrocketing. Yeah, 
we didn't see that coming. Unless you've been living under a rock, you probably have already noticed that drones are just about everywhere. I currently have two consumer drones, both from DJI, and you've heard me talk about them before. I pretty much don't leave home without them if I'm gonna go on a trip of any kind, um, because you just never know when you're gonna be able to get some really great aerial footage, or just be able to get some cool footage that shows off your surroundings a little bit better than you can with just a selfie stick or something. Drone sales in the US were at about two and a half million units in 2016. In 2016, U.S. drone sales were just over 2 million units, which equated to well under a billion dollars in revenue. But projections of units sold for 2017 and 2018 are upwards of 4.5 million units, which equates to about $1.49 billion in revenue. So obviously, the consumer drone space is blowing up, as is the commercial drone space and people using drones for things like commercial photography, for um, real estate and other things that could benefit from having a little bit of a wider perspective, being able to show off property, um, engineering jobs. There's a lot of different things that are using drones now. So it's not really that big of a surprise. I think we all knew that this was the next big up and coming thing uh, to explode in the tech space after uh, the smartphone craze. And so uh, I don't know, I think um, it's going to be interesting to see how well the FAA can cooperate with drone makers to really keep things open enough where drones are able to be sold and where consumers are willing to buy them. Um, right now, there's already a lot of uh, speculation that people are concerned about buying a drone because they don't want to be stuck with something they can't use if the laws shift to where they're not really allowed to use them in, in very many places. So. I really hope that they put together a good plan of action to allow drones to be continued to be enjoyed by consumers. And I just think they need to have stricter regulations on exactly who can fly them and how and where and when. Um, I wouldn't have any problem at all if they put together some type of drone licensing type of a deal where you had to get a license just like you do for a car. Um, I mean, after all, they don't really tell us too much where we can and can't drive cars. They just make us get a license and then they hold us accountable based on if we break the law or not. And I think that same rule could apply for drones and it would be certainly a much better way to go than just kind of these blanket bans that you're seeing or them telling you just can't fly drones um, at all. So hopefully that continues to be an open conversation that both sides are able to come to some compromises on and we're able to keep the drone uh, industry moving forward. So let me know what you guys think. Do you have a drone now? If so, have you run into any issues where you've tried to fly it and just ran into a lot of no-fly zones or people just giving you dirty looks like you were trying to uh, kill somebody's cat? So <laughs> let me know. Here's a story I missed from the other day. It looks like Hulu is dropping its live TV iOS app and incorporating all the functionality from the live TV app into the standard Hulu app. This obviously is just being done to help curb consumer confusion and make sure that you can watch all of your Hulu content in one application. Kind of makes sense. I don't even know why they had two different apps to begin with. Um, I think... You know, if you already pay for one side or the other of the Hulu subscription service, whether that's the live TV or the just the standard Hulu package, it, I mean, why wouldn't you just have them all in one application? It seems kind of silly that they had ever separated it in the first place. So, and if you do happen to pay for both sides of the Hulu service, obviously they'll both be available to you all in one place. You'll be able to search listings and it will designate whether it's live TV 
or if it's just on-demand type content that was always available from Hulu in the past. So that's pretty convenient. And as someone who has become a cord cutter, and I've talked about that here on the show in the past, I've made that switch from having standard cable to having a TV streaming service, which I'm currently using PS View. Um, I tested them all out. I, the only one I did not test out was Hulu, and it was because at the time they didn't really have anything that was comparable in terms of the sports programming that I was looking for. Uh, I think the last time I checked, they still don't have a deal in place with like NFL Network and the NFL Red Zone channels. So um, I just it, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. That wasn't really one I was interested in, but. If any of you out there have cut the cord and are using Hulu Live, let me know what your experience has been like because I'm actually pretty curious. So let me know. LG has unveiled its new UP970 Ultra HD Blu-ray disc player that has expanded HDR compatibility. The first version of the LG Blu-ray players only supported HDR10, but this latest Ultra Blu-ray player from LG now supports Dolby Vision and HDR10, both of which are the primary competing standards for HDR content. Of course, the caveat here is you have to have a television that can support both of these competing formats. Surprisingly, a lot of first-generation HDR televisions that came out only supported one or the other, with the overwhelming majority supporting HDR10. I personally have a TV that does support Dolby Vision and HDR10, and that was actually one of the reasons I decided to go with the Vizio M70D3 in the first place. So even though we're a few years into the 4K TV Ultra HD HDR generation, we still have not landed on a set standard for HDR playback. It's kind of interesting because all of the video game consoles are pretty much sticking to HDR10 with the PS4 Pro and Xbox One S both requiring HDR10 to enjoy HDR content and gaming. So um, right now, I can honestly say the only Adobe Vision content that I get to really see on my TV is from Netflix. And originally Netflix said that they chose Dolby Vision because of its superior mastering capabilities, providing an overall better HDR experience. So I'm not sure which one really is better. I mean, my eyes can't really see too big of a difference. Um, I know the technical specifications behind why Dolby Vision is supposed to be better, but, um, but ultimately most people's televisions don't have the capabilities to see all of the DCI P3 color space required for Dolby Vision. And uh, the wide color gamut displays are obviously a little bit more expensive. So, you know, I think most people that do even have a 4K HDR television that is, is capable of viewing any HDR content probably don't have the ability to really appreciate full Dolby Vision um, quality anyway. If you are interested in the LG UP970, it will be available from retailers in the US for $299, but you can currently get it at a promotional price of $239.99. One thing to keep in mind, and probably at least part of the reason why 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray players haven't really taken off sales-wise, is that you can just go out and buy an Xbox One S for around $249 now, and you'll have a Ultra HD Blu-ray player that can play 4K HDR Blu-ray content as well as a full-on gaming machine. So it's uh, kind of a no-brainer. If you're going to need a Blu-ray player that plays 4K Ultra HD Blu-rays, just get an Xbox One S. Some news is coming out today about Amazon's plans for what it will do with Whole Foods once it completes its acquisition, which is expected to close on Monday. Amazon said it will cut prices on avocados and other grocery staple items at Whole Foods once the acquisition is complete. Other popular items such as organic eggs, bananas, butter, salmon, and ground beef will also be getting reduced pricing. 
Later on down the road, Amazon says it will replace the Whole Foods Customer Rewards Program and instead offer Prime members additional savings. Additionally, Whole Foods Private Label 365 brand will be available for order via Prime Pantry, Prime Now, Amazon Fresh, and Amazon.com. Jeff Wilkie, CEO of Amazon Worldwide Consumer, said in a press release that we're determined to make healthy and organic food affordable to everyone. By working together with Amazon and integrating in several key areas, we can lower prices and double down on that mission and reach more people. I'm going to tell you guys something right now that is probably going to ruffle a few feathers and probably burst a few bubbles, but the whole organic food movement is total BS. Um, and I'm, I'm saying this from right from the mouth of my uncle who happens to be a PhD in botany from Harvard and Stanford and he has spent most of his adult life doing gene therapy and mapping genes of plants and studying agricultural um, facts and all kinds of things related to plants and food that we eat and I recently just went and visited him actually in Northern California and we were asking him about the whole organic food thing and and he said it's it's complete ridiculousness and that he himself does not actually pay any attention to whether or not a food is labeled as organic or not. So I don't know, take that for what it's worth. Um, I'm sure there's a whole ton of people, especially if you live out in Silicon Valley or in other parts of California where people are thoroughly obsessed with eating all organic, um, you know, that would probably argue with me. But uh, this guy is one of the smartest human beings that I've ever personally met in my lifetime. So I kind of trust what he has to say about organic foods. So I don't know. So the big question I have for anybody out there listening is, do you shop at Whole Foods now? And will the new lower prices, thanks to Amazon, give you a new reason to shop there? And do you care about organic foods and do you believe in all that or not? If you have any thoughts on any of this, just give me a call in or a comment and let me know. 